Blog Talk Radio. It cannot be emphasized strongly enough the beauty, purity, and perfection of who you really are. You are not your illness, your finances, or your loneliness. There's nothing wrong in your life that you don't have the power to correct, and you are unlimited in your ability to tap into that power. Welcome. I'm Janet Richmond, and this is the Higher Self Voice. Hi, everyone. It's Janet, and I'm back. I'm back from the incredible experience that I had, my daughter's wedding in Costa Rica. She had a destination wedding in a place that she had been to before and loved it so much that she and her husband decided to get married there. And it was incredible. I had an incredible time, and that country is very special. I know everybody's probably heard about how gorgeous it is, and it is the people couldn't be nicer, and the the experience was 100% wonderful. There was really nothing anybody could ever complain about, and the wedding itself was incredibly special. So I'm just kind of getting back into real life now because you kind of live in this fantasy, really. And it was... It was really great. I will probably be posting here or there, either in Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter somewhere, or all of the above, an occasional picture to show you what it was like. There are many animals that you see, um, experiences that you have. I did a lot of the, personally, I did a lot of the optional things that you you can do there. I did white river rafting. I went through... um, a trip in the mangrove swamps. Uh, of course, I did a lot of beaching and hiking and did zip lining too, which was, it was all so incredibly fun. And uh, anyway, that and the wedding, I squeezed an awful lot in, in a few days. And honestly, just never thought of anything back here. It was so all encompassing and all engrossing and so wonderful. And the people there were I got to know it was a relatively small wedding since the since it was a destination wedding and not as many people can come. So I really spent a lot of time with people that I hadn't known very well and got to know them better. And it just was, it was really special. So now I'm back home and back to you guys and loving it. I hope you all had a, a good uh, last couple of weeks. And so I'm going to just give a little bit of uh, upfront information. First of all, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, no matter where you're calling from or what you are interested in. I And whether you listen to the live show or the archive show, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in always. Now, if you do want to get to the archive show, don't forget you can find it on my website. I do post some of them on YouTube and various different places, so there are other arenas you can get it from, but if you're looking for the the whole breadth of all the shows I've done for four years, you can find it. They're all archived on my website, JanetRichmond.com or HigherSelfVoice.com. Either one will get you right to that website, and you can download it and listen to it while you're walking, you're exercising, even when you're driving. 
commuting on a bus or a train, whatever you do, there are times where everybody listens to music or listens to something, and this is an opportunity, and many, many people use my show for that reason. Uh, I also want to give you a number to call in, 646-668-8565, and I see I actually have a caller. The phone number ends in 7268. Hello, caller. Welcome. Uh, they are indicating they have a question or anything, so I think they're calling in just to listen, but I welcome all live callers, of course. Uh, again, if you want to call in, if you want to ask a question, request anything, at 646-668-8565. And always, I request, I mean, I open the door for you all to call in for any reason. Now, today, I have not gotten a request for healing, and... As a matter of fact, I'm not sure I'm going to do a healing. I advertised that I was going to do the alt, uh, information on the altered realities. And when I got into it, it turned out to be so, <laughs> a lot. And a healing didn't come up for me in an obvious way. So I didn't actually plan a healing. But as I go today, and of course will be amalgamated, maybe a healing will come up for the at the end. I really don't know, or maybe somebody would like to call in and have a healing. Again, let me say it for the third time. It's 646-668-8565. In any case, uh, you can always email me to Janet at JanetRichmond.com or Janet at HigherSelfVoice.com. Either one will get you to me, and I will respond. I always respond. You might have a request for healing, or maybe you just have a question, or maybe you have a complaint, or maybe you have anything. You can call, uh, you can email me for any reason, <clears throat> and I always answer you personally, just so that you know. Okay. <clears throat> now, as it turns out, the altered reality thing, as I mentioned, is so large. I'm just going to start talking about them because these are very important concepts, actually. They exist whether we know they're there or not, whether we understand them. No matter what, they exist. And, in fact, when I do a healing, it is the altered realities that the individuals carry that I am healing. As you know, I always start out or almost always start out with some sort of symbol uh, of an individual uh, on the hub. Sometimes it comes across as a past life. Sometimes it's just a, uh, more symbolic seeming. And where I start and then it kind of expands and I move on. Well, I want you to understand that this, these symbols, even the past lives that I'm getting, are actually altered realities that I'm picking up from the energetic field or that the higher selves are uh, indicating to me and uh, allows me to tune into what is going on with the soul at the altered reality level. Altered reality simply meaning it is part of the energetic reality, not our manifested reality in the five senses world, but the, the energetic realities. So I'm going to explain more about these so that you can understand the concepts and what I'm really doing while I'm, while I'm healing. Oh, I have another caller. Welcome to the caller. I believe it's coming from out of the country because it has kind of a funny number. But um, welcome to both callers. This is fun to have a, two callers. I don't get two live callers very often. 
So welcome, welcome. In any case, I want to go on and explain about altered realities. And this is a higher self quote. Within the altered realities that we all carry, there exists the thought, the emotional blueprint, and the habit. The altered reality carries the totality of all that you've experienced at the energetic level. I know I've explained to you all, when you think of thought, it creates an actual energy, and that each energy, each thought energy, carries its, its own uh, unique magnetic signature and I've explained all of that many times and so the uh, so I don't really need to explain it to you all again but just keep in mind I am talking about the totality not just the thought energy we're going to be talking about the emotional blueprints the habit imprints and the thought forms the thought energy so all of those are contained within an altered reality. Okay. But I'm going to start now with the idea that every single event, every single thing, every single condition, every single situation that happens to us is actually a neutral occurrence. Okay? And it's our viewpoint about that event that makes it negative or positive or even neutral. Now, to think that every single event is actually neutral may seem like an outrageous thing to say, but I'm going to give you an extended example so that you really understand how altered realities work, how they be move into beingness, how they uh, become very real energy identities within our etheric bodies, within our uh, energy field. And I'm going to use a simple example of a snake. Now, the snake event is any kind of contact with a snake. Now, if you are someone who is completely terrified of snakes, you'd have a really difficult time seeing a snake as a neutral commodity or a neutral event. But no matter how any of us feel about snakes, or anything else, members of snakes is just an example, there are others who feel differently. We all know there are people who study snakes, they find them fascinating, they work with them every day, uh, and there's those who break out in hives just looking at a snake in a book. And then there's many in between that can sort of either take, take or leave snakes, maybe they're slightly curious, maybe they're interested, or amazed, but they don't have any heavy-duty issues of fear or uh, real focus and uh, love for the snake. So any event, such as the snake event, was inherently negative or inherently positive or inherently anything else, everybody would react the same way every single time. But we know, of course, this doesn't happen with snakes or really any other event. Each individual, you see, attaches his or her own mix of emotional reactions to every event, creating an emotional blueprint. And then when you add the thoughts that go along with that event and the habits uh, that are also attached, what is being built is an altered reality that 
contains all of that, not just the emotions, not just the thoughts, not just the habit imprints, but the totality. All are contained within that altered reality. Okay. Now, to, to complicate things, each time we experience a similar event, we also can add layers, uh, different layers of emotional attachments because these events don't happen in exactly the same conditions every time. And this is where I'm going to give you a very extended example of the snake. Okay, now we're going to start with a child as in one of its very first lifetimes, first or second. And the, the in this lifetime, it is born into a, and I may have used this example before on the show, and I, if I have, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have a lot more complicated now than I ever have because I really, that I've ever spoken about because I really want to bring home to you the total intense complexity of these things that we carry. But now this child is born into a village, a small village that's surrounded by a jungle, and the jungle has snakes of all types. Some are venomous, some are not. And this child, when he's very young, goes on a walk with its father through through the woods uh, often, and when they see a snake, the father who's cautious around snakes, takes a path of avoidance. And he impresses upon the child that snakes can be dangerous and to make sure to steer clear of them. But he also gives the child some information about the lives of this reptile that has no legs. And so for that child coming through those early years with his father in the jungle, when snake event, whether it's just a discussion or they see a snake or whatever it is, when it comes up, the child has taken in a some uncertainty about snakes. It's taken in the idea of caution, but it's also because the father has been sharing information with him, the sense of curiosity, how interesting that snakes can be. Okay, so in the early years, maybe up to four or five in that life, the snake, these, those are the attachments. Those are what the snake represents. Those are the altered, rea- that's the altered reality that the child has around the snake event. But the next event that goes on in the same life is the child is with his mother at about age five, not his first time, but he's with his mother in the market. And in this market, there is a vendor selling snake venom. And he's actually milking the snakes in the market on the table. And the mother kind of walks, gives it a a wide berth. But the child, you see, carries some curiosity. So the child moves in a little closer. He still has that idea of caution. So he doesn't go right up to to the table or whatever it is. He just is moving toward it a little bit, watching out of that curiosity and with the cautionary feel watching this snake vendor. Well, this snake vendor, for whatever reason, maybe he just wants to get a few laughs. He takes that snake that he's holding and milking and he stands up and he reaches toward the child and puts the snake right into the child's face. Well, with that, the mother screams in bloody terror 
And what happens? That child now not only feels caution around snakes, but also has taken on hearing his mom scream in that blood-curdling terror. He now has attached his own terror to that snake. Okay. So now we have caution, curiosity, and terror attached to the snake, or fear. And the third time the child sees a snake is a couple years later, he's outdoors, he's learned more about being able to identify various snakes and how they, you know, the venomous ones look, and he's afraid, but he's he also has some information, but one day he accidentally steps on one that bites him. Now, in this village, there are many people that he knows of that died uh, or were extremely ill or deformed by some sort of snake venom and lost a leg or something like that. So now this this terror is, is personal in a way that even the snake vendor, and he adds even more uh, fear and terror. Uh, and the whole idea is, you never know when the snake is going to bite you kind of thing. So we also, um, you know, this feeling of helplessness and hopelessness, no matter how much he knows, no matter how careful he was, he was still bitten by a snake that he didn't see. So he now takes on fear of death and the idea that around snakes is something is out of your control, that you're powerless. You never know when it's going to come and by you, so to speak. So each snake event in this life had different circumstances for this child, and each time the boy added complexity to his response pattern to what he believed about snakes, and this was just from one life. So in general, emotional blueprints or and the altered realities that contain them, they start out simple and then they grow bigger and bigger and more complex as time goes by. And in this way, they are creating the altered realities, which is, again, just a complex energy identity within our etheric bodies related to this one event. Now, we do it with all events. Again, I'm just giving you this one example for you to understand just how it, we are creating uh, within our etheric bodies and then, of course, how that affects our lives in this life, which is the point, right? <laughs> in fact, we've lived so many lives. At some point, there never were any new events. Instead, the same event that we've experienced once or a hundred times or even a thousand or ten thousand times, depending on the event, has been repeated over and over and over again. And these these kind of altered realities can be huge and extremely complex. And this is why we often have mixed feelings about some about anything. Very rarely do we see things as black and white. It's because, which is very hopefully clear, we have taken on many different viewpoints, many different emotional reactions, many different thoughts and uh, related to each one of these events. Okay. 
Now, the in this example, the child in just one life, he built a very complex blueprint about snakes that will continue to grow uh, throughout his journey. But every time he sees a snake in the future, there's going to be fear attached. Every time he hears talk, there's going to be fear. There's going to be fear of death even. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to even be curiosity. Unless those emotional attachments, unless those blueprints, unless those altered realities have been neutralized, it will be there in every life. He carries it forward. When you lay aside the body from that life, as you all know, you take all that you've felt, thought, done, all your experiences, all your beliefs, everything folds into the soul. If you remember, the soul is the mind of the past, and it's extremely complex, and this is exactly why. But the snake event will never, ever, for that boy, be neutral again. Never. Unless, of course, again, if he neutralizes it, he, he will have it neutral. But let's continue with the snake event because I really want to hammer this home to you guys. You hear about the complexity of some of the healings that I do where I find one element and then it morphs into another element that morphs into another element. And yet we could be working, I could be working on one basic pattern. Somebody is, you know, has an illness or somebody has a poor relationship or whatever, but there are many elements. And this is why that I'm working on many elements that have been attached that are part of this altered reality. Okay, so just to hammer this home, I want to continue the snake example. And I want to say that maybe a couple lives later, for whatever reason, this child is born into a family that the father actually raises snakes. Snakes in that society on that planet are used as food. And much like we have the chicken farms, the father had a snake farm. Of course, the minute the child sees the snake, even as an infant, without having any understanding, that fear reaction that is already attached to the snake event comes into play. And the father is very confused. Why is his child afraid of snakes? He wouldn't have picked it up in that, in that environment at all. But the child came out, so to speak, was born afraid of snakes. This is why. It carries the attachments. It carries the altered reality, which carries the fear um, of snakes. And so that fear is triggered with a snake event, brand new lifetime, now born on a snake farm. Now, in this particular reality, this particular life, the father works with the boy. He doesn't understand where the fear came from, but he works with the boy. And slowly but surely... He is able to bring the boy into the snake environment, teach him uh, about the snakes and what the, all their value, and allows the boy, and of course they use snakes that aren't venomous, and allows the boy to slowly move past his fear, so to speak, and that curiosity is triggered, that interest 
uh, is triggered, and he moves into and takes on slowly but surely the whole idea of, hey, snakes have value. You know, this is the way the father supports his family. They eat them as food themselves, but they also trade the snakes for other goods, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually the boy adds value to the snake event. Now, the even though he's added value and he's able to get past the fear in this life, that fear still exists, just like it existed for the, when he moved in and was born in, in this life. That fear came up first for him. So even though he's able to get past it, so to speak, and build the idea that snakes have value, that altered reality still carries that trigger. He's not as conscious of it because the fear doesn't come up so much, but it's still there, you know, and and you've all heard me talk about layers, right? This is why sometimes when I do a healing, we, we feel like after the fact, some things come up for us, well, why is that coming up? I, I felt so much better after the healing, and now I'm feeling anxiety, or now I'm feeling loss, or now I'm feeling grief, or now I'm feeling whatever it is, and this is why. Because we're taking off, when we heal, layers that allow other aspects, other parts of the altered reality to present. And so it may take many healings on the snake event to actually make the snake event completely neutral for this boy. And it's the same with any event. This is why we do the layering. This is why there's very little, you know, instant miraculous changes. There is a shift every single time because when we get rid of a layer, it's permanent. Once it's neutralized, we're not going back to live those lives again. Once it's neutralized, it's gone. So there is progress with every healing. But as I've often said, the... When we go to the gym to get in shape physically, we don't just go one or two times or even six or eight times. We make it a lifestyle because to get the body in shape takes time. We have to work on different areas of the body, the arms, the legs, the abs, the back, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm talking about. It's the same. We have to address many, many issues, many uh, take off many layers to get emotionally and etherically healthy and that's what I want you to understand why that's so and I'm going to even add another layer of complexity to the snake event for you because I'm talking about snakes but just think about the relationship event or being a parent or being a child or being a teenager or being Uh, a sibling, these kind of events occur in almost every single life. And so these kind of events are hugely complex. So a simpler event like a snake, it is simpler, but I'm making it as complex as I can so that you get an idea. Now, further down the line, this young boy gets born into a tribe and a North American tribe that has uh, a system, a spiritual system of totems. And totems are 
symbolic of a spiritual being, a um, often it's an animal that becomes the guide for a specific individual and guides them throughout the life pattern. And the totem is therefore very important for the individual. And the belief system around the spirit guide or the animal guide is such that they uh, find the it's very important and has a very deep spiritual meaning and deep spiritual connection. So this soul, also a male in this life, his totem, and I think the totems are assigned or gotten in different ways, in different tribes, different communities, so we're not going to worry about how he got it, but in this life, he gets the snake as his totem. And it's a totem that is extremely highly valued for a male because it bestows upon the individual the stealth, the focus, and the silence of a hunter. And to have a snake totem for a young man growing up means that he is going to get the spirit guide or the spirit help to make him an incredible hunter. So it is a totem that is very valued and very uh, has a very strong spiritual connection. So what has happened to the the boy's altered reality around the snake event? It has expanded even more and now carries a spiritual element. It adds value again to the snake, uh, just as the snake farm life added value, but this is a, an additional kind of value and it attaches to the snake a spiritual meaning. And so now we have the boy with extremely complex snake altered reality and it carries many things from fear and curiosity and interest and terror and uh, value and spirituality. It carries all of those things. So how would this boy arriving in, say, a lifetime now, respond to snakes? Well, I want you to understand that it depends, in part, all those triggers are there. All those attachments are there. But it depends on the situation in this life. He may come in and immediately uh, be afraid, Uh, just as he was when he moved into the snake farm life. Or the value side of it may be stronger now after those other things, and the fear may just be presenting in the early days as some sort of anxiety and, you know, not really, especially when he's younger, not really understanding the snake in the mind of this life. We don't know, but every single one of those attachments, every single element of that altered reality is present. And what becomes primary or uh, leading the way, the, the biggest layer, is dependent upon how this life goes in a way. Now, in this life, if, if he gets born to a, a mom that, for example, is really afraid of snakes, Maybe that fear element will be enhanced and grown, and that may lead the way. In the back of his mind, he still thinks there's value to snakes, and he's not going to see them as totally black and white. But it's kind of like the fear of flying. You also recognize the value of getting on an airplane because it gets you from one place to another quickly, and to some places you couldn't get there any other way. 
So you'd have mixed feelings about the airplane as you would about the snake. So this is what this is what we're dealing with, guys. And we carry many, many of these altered realities at the energetic level. Again, they power, they carry not only the emotional blueprints, but the powerful thought forms and the habit imprints that are built around that event. And they actually exist as a conglomerate in our energy field. Uh, they're soulless and mindless. Now, what that means is they don't carry a soul. They're energy. They, they're not. They're not part of our mind. But they have a dwelling place. That's the dwelling place we created through thought. So if you're the boy in the forest and the jungle and the snakes have a home in the jungle, that would be the dwelling place for that aspect of the altered reality. They have their own social grouping, their own beliefs. So if you're able to sense at the energetic level, you can talk to them actually. I know it's a little bit weird sounding, but you can, and I've never been great at that myself. I can pick them up. Sometimes I can have a discussion with them, but it's not a guarantee. But you can, and they'll tell you how they got created. They'll give you all this information because that's the information you gave them, each of us give them during the event. That Those are the thoughts. So, each individual has created his or own unique altered realities, and no two people have built the same ones. There, of course, can be similarities. So I always talk about the generic patterns that I see, things that are so similar in everybody that I call them generic because we all carry shame, for example, and we all carry fear. And, you know, there's some things that are part of the human condition, just being a human being, we have those those belief systems or those feelings or whatever. However, the each altered reality, each soul scramble is unique to, to uh, an individual, even though, again, there are some similarities. You know, you can think about them like dreams. You know, we wake up in the morning and dreams can seem very real. They can be either simple or very complex, and they have people and places in them. Uh, some we recognize, some we don't. Our dreams are soulless and mindless. They're not part of our soul or our mind. There's, they are in the dream state, altered realities in the dream state. And they have lives. And when we wake up and we've had a powerful dream, we can... <laughs> We can give the story of that whole dream. Well, it's exactly the same with the altered realities. If we can sense them, if we uh, can hone our abilities to uh, move in and get information from our own altered realities, we can. However, we do not need to. We just need to be aware that they exist. And because they exist, it and because you now are understanding maybe a little bit more about them, it can connect us in some level with what we're doing in these healings. This is what we're doing. Um, now, the altered realities are very powerful, though, even though they're mindless and willless and soulless. They magnetically draw to them situations and conditions that match them. Remember what I talked about many times about the magnetic energy of thought? It draws like energy to it. 
And in this way, the altered realities are drawing in situations and conditions to empower them. Now, it's not a conscious thought, oh, I want to empower myself, so I'm going to do that. It's an energetic power, the power of magnetic attraction that pulls in situations and conditions to match this. So if, for example, the snake event for this soul turns out to be one that carries um, and has had empowered through many, many lifetimes the fear element, again, this this soul could draw in uh, the snake event that is very scary and will continue to empower it. Despite the attempt on the part of this soul to avoid snakes of all kinds, including even looking at it on TV or in a picture book, that powerful altered reality will create situations and conditions and draw in the snake event over and over and over again. If we have a powerful altered reality, we aren't going to be able to just avoid bringing that into our manifested reality. Our manifested reality matches what we carry at the energetic level. It's a mirror. So if we have a powerful magnet inside about snakes, we're going to be drawing in the snake event over and over again. Okay. Now, the strongest altered realities are the ones that bring in our repetitive patterns. It's why, for example, some women find themselves drawn to the wrong guy, you know, the the abuser or whatever, over and over and over again. Or some guys who are very, you know, fabulous athletes and they're very successful in high school or college, for example, in football or soccer or whatever. After they finish graduate, they, graduating, they, they may not become a professional player, but they focus on the bringing in the living, the football successes over and over again, become, you know, addicts of football or whatever sport, and and they're just watching it all the time and recounting all their adventures and all their, uh, not adventures, but all their uh, successes. And so we've all seen that those are two very simple, very basic examples, but you've heard very complex examples that I've brought out even in the short healings that I've done on the show. And I want you to understand that some of the more pervasive patterns have so many elements to them that it's they're like the bramble bush around, I've used this example before, a long time ago though, some of the people may not have heard this, the bramble bush around Sleeping Beauty's castle. The altered reality is so complex, it basically has a life of its own. And we're looking out at the world through this incredibly thick thicket of experiences, beliefs, thoughts, habits, emotional imprints, uh, everything that is carried at, around the around the castle and if we're inside we can't see out very clearly because we're looking through the lenses of all that we've attached to that reality whatever it might be in the same way people looking in 
can't see us clearly either because they're also having to look through this bramble bush. So these altered realities affect how we see the world and how the world sees us. As we neutralize, as we start to dissolve this thicket, we're going to do pieces, pieces of the thicket that are related to fear, pieces of the thicket that are related to the belief that it comes out of left field, you know, that we can never prepare enough, that we're powerless and hopeless and helpless, pieces of it that are around the whole idea of death and dying, you know, pieces of whatever it is that we're dealing with. We're not going to neutralize that whole thicket all at once, but we're going to take significant pieces each time. And the biggest problems in our life, the more intense soul scrambles, guys, are ones that need a lot of areas to be addressed. And trust me, there are a few ones in my life that I have gone in many, many, many times, dozens and dozens of times, And I've done it so much now that usually what comes up, because I realize, hey, there's something going on here, because this is not unfolding in the way that I would have expected. And I go in and I find out things that I had no clue about. Because when you've worked on yourself a long time, you get the obvious ones. You know, fear is pretty obvious or shame or anything that's very intense is obvious. But what you don't get are often are those underlying beliefs that you've carried from another life, but you had no way of knowing. Now, the higher selves do give me, most of the time, that information, mainly because it gives me a lot of examples to share with you all. But when I first started, I didn't get anything, and yet I kept changing my life. I kept shifting and bringing in more and more of a life that I wanted without understanding or seeing any of this. It's really been only in the last 10 years that I'm starting to get more and more information about the altered realities. And the higher self has indicated to me that it's because I'm doing the teaching and it's so much easier for people to understand when you can give them a lot of examples. The point being is that I don't want anyone to be discouraged because you have a lot to do, but you feel like you can't because you, you don't know what your past lives are or whatever or you can't find the altered realities. Uh, you, you don't, you're not good at sensing and seeing yet. In fact, it doesn't matter. The higher self has said over and over again, you just start where you are, and you start with the obvious. When the obvious are done and you still don't feel like you've fully moved out of that pattern, just go in and say, I want to neutralize everything, direct and indirect, known and unknown, conscious or unconscious. And you just go in, and sometimes when you do that, Something will come out. You go, oh, my gosh. You'll pick something up. It'll come into your mind. You go, oh, my gosh. I never thought of that before. I've talked to you guys about the fear of God uh, belief that I had. That was a shock because I worked with the divine energies for the last 30-plus years. Um, I was in shock. And then the higher self explained it. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on the show. It's in. It's an actual section in um, my book because it's one of those you know, generic patterns that virtually everyone in the human kingdom has. And I'm not going to go into it now because I have talked about it quite a bit. But that was one that I was unaware of. So that's just an example. But even if you don't know if you carry it, I mean, first of all, 
One of the advantages of listening to the show, don't you know, is that you can hear these patterns that I come up with. And even though you think, oh, I don't have that, neutralize it anyway, because you probably do. We all have just about everything. We just have it in different degrees, have different unique qualities or different um, elements put together. We have just about everything. So I want you to go ahead and virtually neutralize everything. And you have the opportunity, as I said, from this radio show to become more and more familiar with just different altered realities. Now, I'm going to give you some examples of different altered realities. Again, you've heard them on the show, but you didn't really know, because I just say symbols, but you didn't really know and understand that they're really altered realities that I'm tuning into. But I want to give you some more examples and how someone who carries these altered realities could have manifest them in their life pattern. Okay? Now, I just want to read another higher self quote. Remember that altered realities and the various thought forms that are part of them are aspects of you living in their own reality. These thought forms desire always to manifest themselves. Now, desire is in quotes because it's not a conscious desire like we would have. They always desire to manifest themselves into physical realities. Into, into the physical reality. And you, or all of us, are the vehicle of expression that gives birth to these altered realities into the physical world. And it happens outside of our consciousness. Okay? Now, altered realities are picked up by psychics. They are seen as elements of past lives. Uh, they are... Uh, they can resemble past lives since they were formed when we were in past lives. They're formed when we're in each life. And energy, energetically, they're actual and factual realities in the energetic state. Okay? Again, just because x-rays weren't discovered until, I don't know, 100 or whatever years ago, didn't mean they didn't exist. Same with ultraviolet rays or gamma rays or anything that we didn't discover till relatively recent and on this planet doesn't mean they didn't exist. And it's the same with the altered reality. They're actual realities, factual energetic realities. Now, when I work on the healings or when you work on yourself, the you're going to come up with more negative altered realities because the positive altered realities aren't having the the problematic impact on us that, you know, that the negative altered realities would have. So they rarely come up. I do see positive things often because these altered realities usually aren't all negative like you saw with the snake. Some of it carried in negative elements and some carried very positive elements. So there's often positive elements attached to the altered reality. And this is when I'm working on somebody, I might say, well, I can also see as part of this that you're very determined to neutralize it or you're very, um, you know, confident or you, I see the warrior inside that's ready to go to battle with whatever. Uh, I see different positive elements from time to time. I don't emphasize them so much. I, I often will let somebody know 
because it's really I want to get as much of the negative altered parts of the altered reality that I can. Anyway, let me give you some examples. An example of an altered reality, and these are all ones that I've either seen for myself or for others. One is an altered reality, uh, is an old lady, very hunched over, uh, living in either like library-type bookshelves or food storage shelves, some sort of storage room with uh, shelves in it, and she was a hermit, she was lonely, she was afraid and isolated. And if someone would come into the environment, she would scuttle around the shelves and hide, hoping they won't see her. She didn't want any personal interactions. She didn't want any possible chance to be hurt or disappointed or discounted or judged. So she would hide because she didn't want to be any of those. And she always carried with her a very dark cloud of despair. Okay? Now, someone with this kind of altered reality, this kind of energy identity, could grow up very shy, very fearful, have very few friends, would want to hide from the world, would have avoidance reactions to meeting new people, and would stay away from possibilities of being noticed, would sit in the back of a classroom, um, would stand at the side, would be uh, sad, they would be sad, they would be lonely, and often they would even be depressed. They may have a weight problem and or a deep feeling of social awkwardness. Um, there's any number of ways that someone carrying this altered reality could manifest their, who they are, in quotes, in this life. It's not really who they are. It's who they are based on this energetic altered reality that they're carrying. Now, again, it's oversimplified here because we carry thousands of altered realities, many, 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 many. And the, so, um, but I'm, so I'm giving you simplified examples. Uh, another altered reality, and I believe I've talked about this one, this one is definitely me. It was one of a court jester, uh, a door that found uh, meaning while playing the fool. He, uh, in this, this role it, that this, court jester, he took on a role of protector of a queen. Uh, this, the queen was beautiful and oppressed, uh, and he was determined to be of service and tried very hard to stay within the close circles of the royal house. But over and over again, he felt he let the queen down because he just couldn't, he wasn't, couldn't get close enough to prevent the abuse that she received at the hands of the king. And he just couldn't do enough to help her uh, in that way. So he carried also with him a sense of frustration, a sense of failure, and a determination always to do it better the next time. So he always returned with this determination only to be foiled or felt that he was not doing what he was there to do. Now, someone with this kind of altered reality, and it very well uh, came from a past life, um, could be part of someone who was interested in helping others. However, he or she could go overboard in the attempts to help and would always feel like they were falling short. 
There could be a rescuer pattern or a quality of wanting to fix other people. There could also be an undercurrent of guilt and shame because of feeling that they'd failed. The person could also be very funny and might play the role of the class clown or use humor in other ways to distract um, in difficult situations. Now, I can, I can uh, in my own situation, relate to some of this. However, I would never call myself funny. Um, so that aspect was not empowered in other lives, I'm thinking. So in any case, uh, for me, um, yes, of course, you all know I'm interested in helping others. I do have felt like I fell short. Uh, a lot of these things definitely did affect me. Not, But there's more elements because, again, I've seen similar things, even though this one was a court gesture, I have seen very similar altered realities for other people who come away with a rescuer pattern or wanting to help others or feeling like they've fallen short uh, from that bar of perfection they put up for themselves. So this kind of altered reality it may have different details, different factoids, but in a, actually it's fairly, this one is fairly common as well. Now, the third altered reality I've seen many, many times, it comes up slightly different each time, but boy, it's the same. And it's a person who lives in a very deep hole, a deep black hole or in a deep, dark cavern. Now, covering and surrounding the human figure, which is how I see this kind of altered reality, is complete darkness. And a weight of misery so heavy that the altered reality, the energy identity, believed it could not even stand up because it's the weight of the darkness is so heavy. It's down, it's crouching, it's bending over, it is unable to even lift its symbolic head. So it's despairing, it's joyless, and it didn't, doesn't even remember what light is. And again, I've seen many, many variations with this with numerous people. And it's presented itself in different times as male, as female, and even gender neutral. So what would be the impact on this life for someone who carried this very intense, very difficult altered reality? Um, when this altered reality is very deeply entrenched, it can incur people who have it can be dealing with real despair and real uh, depression. There can certainly be a sense of hopelessness, worthlessness, and deep emotional pain. Um, and it also could engender some sort of avoidance pattern, whether the avoidance meant dealing drugs, gambling, OCD, alcohol, uh, anything. Anything to avoid uh, and distract from the despair and the depression and the misery. There also could, this also could be a person who received emotional or physical both, uh, abuse or both, uh, also would have a severe lack of self-love and self-value and a very difficult time often with maintaining jobs and good relationships. So this is a difficult altered reality and it's not uncommon, uh, even if you don't, if you aren't aware, um, I never had anything quite this uh, extreme, the possibilities in my life, but I've worked on that in 
when I've worked on other people and groups that I've had that have had it, I'm working on it too because we all have an element of this, an element of despair, an element of hopelessness, an element of depression, an element, 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 hopelessness, uh, worthlessness. So though that this is one that whether I carry this intense kind of altered reality like this or ever have isn't even relevant, doesn't matter because I work on it anyway. Uh, altered reality, another one is, is I want you to picture a small child standing on the side of a very busy roadway and many people are rushing past continuously and yet everyone ignored the child, even those who would walk around the child, it's as if the child didn't exist, uh, the child felt lost, unseen, confused, afraid, hungry, and hopeless. This was an extreme isolation pattern, just feeling totally, totally alone. Now, if someone carried this kind of altered reality, the it, it would be someone in this life most likely who felt invisible, felt in, unimportant. Uh, she, he or she may have grown up in a family, just as a possibility, with a sibling who was either a prodigy or perhaps a sibling was... Uh, severely disabled or something, and the parents were uh, so focused on the sibling that they were more or less absent physically or emotionally for for the person carrying this, uh, the child would feel like an afterthought perhaps as she moved into adulthood. She may be passed over for promotions and pay raises. She may feel like a victim and think, if only this or that were different, then I would be happy. And... Um, most likely in relationships, the significant other would focus on him or herself and discount uh, the wants and needs of this person who carried. And that's really just tipping, uh, touching the tip of the iceberg. There, there, this, this kind of altered reality could manifest many things in a life pattern. I'm just trying to give examples so that you can get some idea of what's happening uh, in our etheric bodies. Um, another altered reality, this one too um, is not part of me, but I saw this with a client. He carried a fix-it type, Mr. Fix-it type uh, of uh, altered reality with a two-belt uh, living in a dwelling that had, was in constant need of repair. He was continually patching up the dwelling, and it, but it was never completely fixed. If something was fixed over here, something else needed fixing over there. And it was like Sisyphus always rolling the boulder up the hill, and it never stayed, and it fell down, and he had to start over again. He was frustrated. He felt like he couldn't move on in his life and that he was completely stuck, and he couldn't get out because he knew there was more to existence, more to life, but he knew he had to take care of the problems first, or that's what his belief systems were, because that had to be done first before he had permission, gave himself permission to see what else there was in life. And because it just never changed, and it was this rat wheel of repetition of always needing to do his obligations, always needing to be the fixer, he resigned himself to the boredom and repetition in life and just came to believe he would never have anything else. Now, Someone who carried this kind of altered reality um, would be someone who would endure and suffer through situations and conditions manifested in the life pattern with a sense of hopelessness. 
the school, the job, the relationships would be unrewarding. He would always put his responsibilities first and his self-nurturing last. I'm using he because we usually associate he with a Mr. Fix-It, but it can be a she too. He would feel great burdens from life, but would believe he really had no choice, no choices. He would most likely bring in a parent or a spouse that reminded him endlessly of his duties, of his obligations, and what could easily put chronic guilt trips on him or remind him that to be a man, he had to endure. Not so fun, guys, right? These things aren't fun. And we're swimming upstream all the time dealing with these. And this is why we need to neutralize these altered realities. We don't want to be swimming upstream. We don't want to be dealing with these um, obstacles that we're carrying at the energetic level that we've created for ourselves. So I think you're getting the picture now. And I have one more. This one has come up many times also. Again, the details can be slightly different. But this was an altered reality where the person is fighting a kind of guerrilla warfare. Uh, I saw it as a male but in this particular example, but I've seen it as female. I've seen it as gender neutral. It's very common in different ways with different details. But this is a man hiding behind huge boulders that would come out from time to time to take pot shots at the quote-unquote enemy. He didn't. He was afraid. He didn't want to confront the enemy directly. He was always in hiding and always was avoiding contact with others. He was very unsure of himself and even didn't know who the enemy was. Okay? But instead of figuring out really what was going on, out of fear, he used this pot shot approach to keep the perceived enemy at bay. As a result, he was isolated and he kept others away, even those that were friendly. Now, someone carrying this altered reality was, would be most likely an individual that would like to avoid conflict. There wouldn't be an effort, really, to communicate and talk things out. He'd probably make little effort to understand the emotional reactions he had and would inappropriately attack someone out of misunderstanding or just as a way to express emotions that needed an outlet. This could play out in relationships and in work patterns as maybe passive-aggressive type behavior as the insecurities and fears would uh, affect all of his interactions. He would also often blame others for his own fear and confusion and most likely would avoid looking at his part in the, his personal issues. So this one we all carry in some way, shape, or form, you know, the avoidance, the not knowing, the lack of understanding, the uh, fear of conflict. I mean, these are normal reactions. All of these carry elements that are normal in the sense that we all have elements of these. Again, having these altered realities, and I've just listed six, but I've probably picked up 500 to 1,000, <laughs> a huge number, and I think I'm only touching the tip of the iceberg. We've just lived so many lives over so many eons of times, time that we carry just so many altered realities, and they work very, very happily with one another. So if we have an altered reality that carries an element 
that's similar to another altered reality, they can join together and become an even more complex altered reality, tying uh, elements of our life together. So these things are very powerful. And as I said earlier, the outer reality that we carry is reflects perfectly, mirrors perfectly what we carry inside. Now, we can dismiss these, but they are vitally important. And even if we can't accept them because we can't touch, feel, and see them again, they're still harmful to us. And we have the we have the the answers, guys. The higher selves don't just talk and teach us about these kind of things. They give us the techniques. They give us the way to deal with them. And that it is the neutralizing that really is the technique. And you guys know now that how to neutralize. It is something that anybody and everybody can do once we amalgamate and in that way give permission for the divine energies to move in and help us, we use that divine light to neutralize these things. They don't just give us the doom and gloom and walk away. They say, hey, these things exist. Now we, oops, we deal with them. Now we uh, help ourselves by neutralizing these things. We don't need them anymore. And as we neutralize them and as we shift and change and uh, reduce the altered realities in the energy field, our outside reality is going to shift and change in like measure. Just the more we go to the gym and work those muscles, the more our physical body is going to reflect the effort that we put into it. And it's the same for this. So even though they may seem secondary to our everyday lives or separate from our, our individual lives, they are the significant force behind all that we believe, all that we are, all our self-identities, all that we manifest. So, to recap, altered realities are made up of very real energy identities that live in our etheric bodies. They have their own state of beingness, even though they're soulless, mindless, and willless. In other words, they don't have a soul, they, they don't have a mind, and they don't have a will. They're the conglomerate of the thought, habit, and emotional energies that each of us have created for ourselves through the vast, vast, vast number of lives we've had. Um, they're the energetic counterpart to the physical life. And everywhere we go, we carry these companions. And they're the foundation for the soul scrambles that I've talked about before. And they are what attract in the complex patterns that we experience in this life. So altered realities are important, guys. And that's why I decided to take up quite a bit of the show just explaining them. And to also connect the dots for you because this is what I am working on when I'm doing the healing. It is either one or several or uh, a bunch or a complex altered reality that presents itself on the hub or as part of the person, and I do it a little differently in different healings. 
But that's what I'm working on. I'm trying to get the elements of these altered realities, trying to take pieces of it, dismantle it, and neutralize piece after piece after piece so that the altered reality itself becomes much smaller. Hopefully it will disappear totally, but we know the chances of that are um, not likely, especially because when you come to me for a healing, it's not for some little minor pattern. You're coming to me for a major pattern in your life or you wouldn't be asking me to, to do the healing. But every time you start to dismantle, more light gets in. So if you if you go back to that Sleeping Beauty's Castle analogy with a thicket around it, if I do a healing or you do a healing on yourself or whatever is happening and we clear away a patch or maybe we just follow one root, let's say it's shame and we just follow that root and it's just spread all the way throughout this thicket. It branches off and more branches and it becomes intertwined with other branches that are part of this thicket. But once we clear that shame, there's more light. The thicket isn't as dense. So there's more light that can come in or more accurate viewpoint, whether you're within the thicket, you're the one carrying the thicket, or people are looking at you, there's more clarity that comes in. And sometimes clarity is the first thing that shifts. There's a just a shift in insight or how you see something. And that may seem like not a shift at all because maybe you haven't gotten the job that you really wanted because that's the focus of the healing. So you just discount the shift in your viewpoint, but in fact, the shift in viewpoint is very much a result of clearing away parts of all these altered realities, all the soul scrambles, all of the thickets that we're carrying. So anytime we do this neutralizing, more light of clarity moves in, more ability to move into uh, higher understanding and also, the outer reality will also shift because we're now providing different energetics, a, a different ratio, a different balance of energetics because there's always a ratio there of the negative to the positive. And the more we, we neutralize the negative, that ratio shifts. And so more of the outer reality is reflecting more of the positive as the, as the I mean, the ratio has changed as we neutralize the negative. Okay. So, now how does it relate relate to the astral? I don't have a lot to say about this, and, and in fact, um, I've really already talked about it when I talked about the, the astral use that we all set up. Those are altered realities. We have so many altered realities. Remember I talked about that there's an actual demons in the in the astral. There's uh, monsters in the astral. There's all sorts of altered realities that have been created by the humanities in the astral. It's the same thing. Now, any altered realities that each individual carries in their own energetic field, we also are carrying in the within the astral use that we've created in the astral and I don't need to repeat all of that but that's what the astral use are they're altered realities of ourselves that we have created and so that's why I don't 
have a lot to say about it because really the majority of what I said was in an earlier show on the astral use. But understand that the astral use are altered realities. And occasionally when I was talking, I did call them altered realities. Occasionally I've used the term altered realities without in those moments really discussing what they are. Now, the term altered reality means a whole lot different than maybe the sci-fi world or in other new age modalities. But I'm telling you the definition of altered reality as defined by the higher self and how they affect us and how they uh, are very much a part of our life pattern. And they seem very real, just as real as dreams seem. Okay, I want to really impress upon you that they are just as real because we've created it from our reality as we go through the different events. Um, those events are very real for us, and we infuse that reality into the energetic factoids that make up the altered realities, and they are very real. And as a result, when we pick up past lives, say, on someone, we're picking up the the emotional aspect, the belief systems, you know, the picture of the environment, the psychological elements, the physical elements. We pick up all of those elements. Why? Because each individual carries those at the altered reality level in their energetic field. And it is what psychics read, guys. That's what they, they're reading. So anyway, that's, that's it. Um, I left you, I, I covered a lot of stuff. Remember, if you have any questions, I'm not going to do a healing. Nothing is indicated to me to do a healing at this moment. So, oh, and I have another caller, and it is Robin. Hi, Robin. This phone number I recognized. I've just ended, so you're going to have to, just ending, so you're going to have to listen um, to the archive show. But I, I want to thank everyone that calls in. I want to thank everyone that listens, whether it's live or archived. And I want to give my email address, Janet at JanetRichmond.com. Please contact me. Uh, there is I always have information to give, but I really am here for you guys. So if some of the information touches something off for you and you either have a question on it or you have, oh, my gosh, I should work on that. I bet I have that kind of altered reality. You know, you might start now thinking differently. So I want very much for you to to contact me. Let me know. I will respond. Um, and I will, you know, if there's anything to do on the show. It doesn't all have to be on the show. You can write me and we can just discuss on emails. It doesn't have to be show-related. In any case, and you can hide your identity. I can make up a new name for you and change the facts, make, make it different so that you can be anonymous. There's a lot of things we can do to make you feel safe or that it's private um, because most likely everybody can relate to just about anything that you or anyone else could could talk to me about. So anyway, I guess that's it for today. I know it's we still have a little time and I know I haven't done a healing and I'm sorry for that and I think I just, I'm still coming down from this incredible wedding event that I had that was 
so spectacular. My daughter looked beautiful. We had a lot of fun. There were no glitches. Everything went smoothly, and it just was so heartfelt and special for everyone who attended in an incredible country, Costa Rica. I cannot say enough about just just beautiful, just an absolutely beautiful country. And apparently, and I didn't know this, they don't have any military. And so one of the guides said, yeah, we don't have any military. That's why it's so great here. And then he said, you know, in our Air Force, and I'm thinking Air Force, <laughs> but you didn't have any military. And our Air Force is a, you know, flock of pen- uh, pelicans. <laughs> like, okay. But it just, it's just really, really great. So I'm still, I think, um, debriefing or unwinding from the trip. So that's why I'm, I'm I guess I'm not doing the healing, but I, I nothing came up for me. So I'm just honoring that, not trying to force something. Just love all of you and thank you so much for listening. If you, again, if you have any questions, email me Janet at JanetRichmond.com. And with that, I'm going to end the show. And I love you guys. I love you guys a lot. And I look forward to next week. Thank you for listening to Janet Richmond and the Higher Self Voice. Visit Janet's website at JanetRichmond.com to view all of her upcoming events or to buy her book, Choices, Neutralizing Your Negative Thoughts and Emotional Blueprints.